0: interviewed from the modern man approach of uh, clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So, have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on psychology, I want to speak to you about a word that is highly important, yet very unknown. It is also a word that is both related to psychotherapy and Ayurveda as a goal because of the self-realization aspect of these two fields. And that word is equanimity. It's a word that's usually not known by the broader audience, but even within spiritual circles, for instance, and different practices, it's not always known and more so often misunderstood. Yet it's key. It's really key to finding balance, if you will. It's key actually to happiness, right? So first and Foremost, let's define it. Equanimity, as we can kind of guess in the equa of the beginning of the word equality, is actually a state of mental evenness. It's the stable and calm mind. It's that all is equal, that all is balanced, but that that balance stems from wisdom. And the fact that it stems from wisdom implies, therefore, that it is a practice, that it's something we develop. The concept of equanimity is often misunderstood by people who are encountering it in the beginning as a state of being passive or indifferent, actually even a boring kind of perspective on life. But these ideas couldn't be further from the truth. And I like to illustrate this by the metaphor that my teacher, Swamiji Abhishek, holder of the Vedanta lineage, used. Long time ago, before we had the understanding of the position of the sun and the earth and rotation, etc., humans would believe that the sun would actually be rising and setting properly. Even though we say that today, we know that this is not the case. So there was this idea of rebirth every morning, and there was the idea of death even as the sun disappeared in the evening. And actually, religions really stem from these perceptions. were created that way. The spiritual beliefs very much, which are often revolving around the sun because it's, well, the giver of life, right? And so every morning there was the birth of the sun and every evening it would die. And if we have a limited understanding of reality, the idea of the sunset then takes on a whole, let's say, different importance of death. Will it actually come back again and so forth? But knowing what is actually happening, allows us to watch the sun rise and set without that dramatic belief linked to it, which means, simply, we can observe and appreciate the beauty of these two moments, these two essential moments of the day, without the drama, without the clinging to life. When we see things clearly for what they are, We can choose how we wish to experience them. And so when you understand it from this viewpoint, you might agree with me that it's really the one thing we all desire, actually. We desire it without actually knowing what it is that we seek. And in the therapy room, this tends to look like patients asking how to stop feeling so triggered, for instance, by something, or how to stop repeating the same destructive patterns, for instance. Requests like, can you just give me, you know, the the tool to stop this, or can you tell me something that will be insightful for me, that I can bring with me so that I can change this, or even what is wrong with me, Right. And those questions that are very common, and then outside of the therapy room as well, of course, are, simply put, expressions of, I don't want to be in the present moment because it's too painful. So how can I remove myself from the situation? How can I change what is going on? The frustration, the feeling of powerlessness or helplessness that we feel in those moments has well it has us act out and lose control and the reason people ask for the solution here is because they're so used to being in problem solving that well their mental state becomes a project that needs to be solved but this is actually taking the wrong direction in the situation because it actually all boils down to how can I change my situation and truly you cannot change the situation that is in front of you and so it's usually at that point where I'm facing them and they're frustrated and they're irritated with me because I'm not giving them the solution right the point A do this B do this So I tend to give them one of two, for instance, phrases of famous thinkers so that they, first of all, don't feel so alone in their agony, but second of all, realize that maybe this striving for finding the solution is not the best option to take here. When C.G. Young said, you don't solve your problems, you outgrow them. That's exactly what he meant. You can't change what is in front of you. If you will, you can't change the external conditions. You will have to change how you position yourself to them so that your relationship to it, the situation that is, changes. If your room feels cluttered and full, so that you can't think and open your mind, you can, for instance, place yourself somewhere that you're not used to. Let's say if you had the possibility of a cat to go up on a high furniture. And all of a sudden, the room looks different and something is changing. You're looking at the room from a new perspective. Now, this kind of gymnastic of the mind, we don't do that naturally. And there's a reason for that, because we don't actually know that we can. Obviously, we have one perception. And the way we experience reality is that our perception is what is. It's the almighty, if you will. It's the unique. It's the non-dual, even. On a side note, this is, of course, why people tend to come into conflict with one another when their perceptions are not the same and they don't understand one another. Anyway, (laughs) so equanimity is a skill that we develop through practice, It is not natural to us. We're not conditioned for it. And so we need to develop it. And really, I want to say, any spiritual practice kind of comes from this perspective. That we all, since thousands of years, have this one quest, which is how to stop suffering. In the therapy room, we can say it like this. When we bring our unconscious patterns Into the light of awareness, we become conscious of having them. And this is the only moment that we can actually do something about it. Because as they become conscious, they lose some of the power that they have over us. And we can therefore go from being rigid in our structure of personality towards something more flexible. We expand the horizons of our personality. We soften the edges of our self-image and we go from a really small self to a larger version. When I say small self to a larger version, I think that anyone can relate to the feeling we get when we are not well so when we're in that situation where I want to get out of this situation I'm in pain I'm suffering something is not well each and one of us feels in that moment very small when I ask a patient for instance to put themselves back mentally in the situation describe the situation be there again even though they're sitting in front of me and then I ask them to describe what is going on physically inside of them They will all say things like, there's a tightness, or I don't feel my legs, I feel weak, there's blockages. If you will, all of that kind of translates into this idea that you have been reduced to a really, really small thing. You're not open and relaxed and feeling expansive, right? It's the complete opposite to that. You feel constricted and you feel small and you feel helpless. So naturally, our capacity to evolve as a being in this idea of the self-realization, right, would be to open up in that moment so that we can come back to a space that we do know how to connect to when we're feeling really relaxed and safe. The Austrian neurologist and concentration camp survivor, Viktor Frankl, said, Between this stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our freedom and power to choose our responses. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So can you see why this is the key to happiness? Because happiness is actually a state of mind. And the reason that it seems so fluctuant to us, just like love, is because we have not often anyway understood that it's a state of mind, so therefore a choice, so therefore an action that we take to be in and I said happiness just like love well actually maybe I would even be so bold to say it's the same thing it is a certain state that we are in right that is exactly the one we wish we could be in forever peace when we have strengthened our skill to pause and observe instead of just reacting we access choice, this choice. So can you see how there's this mental gymnastics around the perception that I have and the fact that I, for most of my life, am just in constant mode of reaction to a stimulus, believing that I don't have an option of anything else. This is why there's this feeling of the small self, and that that is what we naturally would go towards, since we have not been taught anything else. The spiritual practices that develop different versions of that which we call meditation understood this concept. And meditation, therefore, was the skill to develop in order to be able to stay in that pause for a longer period of time. I would say that meditation is our capacity to concentrate. And as we practice meditation on a daily basis, we are strengthening capacity to do this. The neural pathways, let's say, linked to this action are being conditioned a little bit every single day. So that, and anyone who's practiced meditation for a little bit, can confirm that once that's been done for a certain amount of time, you begin to notice when you're not sitting on your meditation cushion, that you have accessed that space just a little bit. It doesn't mean that once you've done that, you will never ever be triggered again. Actually, the triggers are there. The the conditions are there. The problems, like Jung would say, are there, but you outgrow them. You're not in the small self anymore. You're not in that constricted, Reactive mode. Instead, you see the broader picture. In the therapy room, what you do is that you express yourself in the limited version, and then you are being met with, let's say, a questioning on it, which allows for you to approach what you do day-to-day without thinking about it, from a new perspective. It's that climbing up on the furniture to look at the room from a different perspective. And so every time you go and sit in that chair or lay on that sofa, depending on what kind of practice your um, practitioner has, you are doing that same thing. on the meditation cushion in the sense that you are conditioning those neural pathways that are trying to look at things differently. Now this is very often hard, especially in the beginning of course and uncomfortable and that is a good thing because of course, just like the cliche goes, the magic happens outside of the comfort zone. When something feels scary or unfamiliar or uncomfortable or whatnot, it is actually because we're doing something that's new. So especially when it comes to looking at our own actions differently. And even though it might seem difficult to do, it means that we are strengthening the new perception of ourselves. One of the things that Swamiji said that just stayed with me was this. Once we have understood what our true nature is, we can go out again into the world and play the role of the ego, wear the mask of the ego, be there. But we know what the truth is. And he said, somewhere in the background, the music still goes on. And me, in my my mind, in my images, when this was years ago, when um, we were doing these lectures, um, where we went into um, depth of the Yoga Sutras, um, I would see myself listening to my music in my headphones, and, which was something that I obviously then did uh, very often. And it was this idea that you are out and about and you do your things, maybe you're driving around, maybe you're walking around, and you're listening to your favorite music. And there's all these stuff happening, right? And there's all these reasons to get upset around you, especially in traffic, for instance, where people do this and that. And if you have that really good music on, it's as if you can see all those stuff happening, but you're so in tune with the music that you enjoy that you don't have to sit in the trigger. Instead, you're observing the trigger. Somewhere in the background, the music still goes on. It doesn't mean that you will always be there once you've understood this. Because what you've practiced before is your personality, right? So you outgrow it, right? You don't solve your issues. You outgrow them. So there will be absolutely moments where you fall back into it. However, having had these insights or understandings before... The way you fall back into it will be a little bit different. Maybe not in the moment, in the beginning, but at least sometime after. There will be this observation of your own patterns and you go, ah, I did it again. And then that makes the experience richer, actually. We become more flexible instead of being so rigid in our personality structure, which is really what we aim for in order to broaden our horizons. And what this actually is, is another word that is often used in psychology, in psychotherapy, and that I've spoken about in the past on the podcast. We develop resilience, I am so grateful that you have chosen to give me some time of your day to listen to this episode. Now, this is all done on my free time. There's no money involved in this podcast. So if you would like to support me somehow, I would love for that to happen. And you could do that by simply rating and reviewing. So what that means is that if you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can simply give me five stars, review and you can give me a commentary. Obviously, if you feel that it deserves it. Once again, thank you so much and enjoy the listening. Remembering that resilience is this a capacity to adapt in A difficult situation for instance. So to stay stable in the storm, like a a tree can be very resilient, standing still in the storm. But I would say even more than that, developing resilience means when the storm comes I stay stable, I adapt myself in the situation. So that means that maybe I need to lean a little bit in the opposite direction of the wind so that I still feel stable and then I might even use the stormy situation to strengthen and therefore thrive. And that my friend is when you've really accessed something exceptional. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste.